Welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast in the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Hey, we're recording live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show. Uh, you can check out our Facebook, just search out Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can check, you can always email us at coachbonoshow at gmail.com. This is episode 17. Uh, no interview this week. You got a little bit of a Coach Bo rants edition. Uh, I'm going to be real upfront. I'm in a really, really good mood. It is Sunday night. I'm recording this after 11 o'clock. So when you hear this on Monday, you're going to be like, holy shit, he recorded that last night? Yes, I waited till after. The Saints-Bucks game, if you know me, you know I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan, and I just could not uh, put myself in a position where I could not watch the game. So I decided that since I was going to do a rants episode, I was going to have to wait till after the game, and man, am I glad I did. If you don't already know, the Saints shocked everybody, including myself, and shut out Tom Brady and the Bucks with a nine-nothing win. Now, I'm I'm a Saints fan. I'm an optimist, but I had no optimism about this game whatsoever. Uh, I'm still not happy with the Saints offense, and Taysom Hill clearly is not the answer at quarterback. I'm not even going to get into all that. I'm just pickled. I'm tickled that they won the game tonight. So, uh, hats off to. The Saints coaching staff, the defense played incredible. Quan Alexander, Demarius Davis, um, and the entire front line played great. The DBs, I mean, just locking guys down. It was an incredible, incredible win for the Saints. And I know that if you're a Brady hater, then you got a big kick out of it. And if you are a Tom Brady fan, well, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know that the only team that Tom Brady does not have a winning record against in his career is the New Orleans Saints. He's 4-5 and five career. So, fun stuff there. Hey, I want to talk about a couple things, though, and i tell you what I want to start with. I want to compare and contrast a couple of games. I was driving over here to the studio a little bit ago and thinking about things, and I was thinking about the Saints game, the Saints-Bucks game tonight, as well as the Chiefs-Chargers game from Thursday night and how they were similar. Now, hear me out. Obviously, the scores weren't similar. The Chiefs won that game 34-28. Mahomes has the big game, especially the second half, and and brings them back, uh, brings the, 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 the Chiefs back in that game. But where I, where I see this contrast, these two games, why I want to talk about these two games together is I want to talk about it in terms of what is – some of these coaches are overthinking things. They're complicating winning. Uh, one of my favorite sayings in life is don't complicate winning. Um, New Orleans tonight, every time they had an opportunity when they were going down the field, they get a chance to kick a field goal, they took the points. There were three times on Thursday night where the Chargers should have taken the points. First possession of the game, they get a big play that sets them up. And when they finally do get slowed down in the red zone, it looks like it's going to be fourth and goal at the one. 
which I would have been go I would have said, hey, go for that. But instead, it was ruled out of bounds. Fourth and five at the, at the five-yard line. You get the fourth and goal from there. Chargers decide it's more important to score seven or to attempt to score seven than to kick for three, thinking we have to outscore Mahomes. Well, uh, I think a lot of teams' strategies are we have to outscore Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers. And I think that really what you got to do is just keep putting points on the board. Uh, later on in the game, the Chargers had a second attempt. Inside the 10 again, they decide they're going to go for it on the fourth down. They get stopped inside the five that time. And they had the, and they had the fumble. Um, again, no points on the board. Again, on fourth down, I was all about take the three points. Take the three points. Um, each time. Uh, later on in the game... The Chargers had a fourth down. I think it was fourth and four, uh, and it was near the 38. You've been looking at about a 50-yard field goal. I think it was inside the 30. I think it was the 28. It would be about a 50-yard field goal, and I said, hey, kick the points. Get the points. Instead, they opted to go for it on fourth down. A couple of atrocious play calls, and all of a sudden you've got, you've got zero points on three possessions when you could have had nine. If you just gotten six on the two gimmies, that game is different in the fourth quarter because when the Chiefs get the ball back in the end, they don't need seven. They still need 13. It's a whole different way of playing the game. And I thought that's something the Chargers staff did a poor job on. And I think the direct opposite of that was tonight's game, last night if you're hearing this on Monday, clearly, um, what the Saints did to the Bucks. The Saints will take the points and we'll keep playing defense. You have to eventually trust your defense. And I think that's a big deal. I think the Saints show they can trust their defense. They decided that, hey, we're going to make Tom Brady earn it. The Chargers didn't trust their defense, even though they've got a good defense, especially their pass rushers. And they decided they were going to make, make it easier for Mahomes to earn it. Um, so, again, I, uh, I just contrasting those two games to me, it tells me a lot about teams. It tells me that certain teams have an understanding of, yeah, the numbers may be close. The odds on winning or kicking the field goal versus the odds of making the first down. And I'm all for that at times. But time and place and situation are all important. And I just think that that was a really, a lot of poor decisions really held the Chargers back. And I don't think you can really do that. When you're facing a better team than you, the Chargers had this happen. The Saints had this happen. You have to make you have to be flawless coaching wise on game day. Uh, that's what happened with the New Orleans Saints, and it's what it did not happen with the LA Chargers on Thursday night. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about. I want to get off those two games for a moment here and kind of a quick review of the skill scores and schedule real quick I'm going to run this down Sunday's action <clears throat> pardon me on Saturday we had a game we had uh, the Colts with a big shock beating the Patriots uh by 10 that game was actually uh, a blowout until late the Patriots came back after being down 20 to nothing in three quarters scored 17 a late touchdown on a big run for the Colts breaks it open uh, by Jonathan Taylor, who has played his way into the MVP conversation. Um, you know, there. 
And there the Colts have now, they get that big win, which gives them a chance to not just get into the playoffs, but to get into the division discussion because of what the Titans did. The Titans losing to the Steelers on Sunday. Uh, the Titans looked fine for the first half and then decided they didn't want to play a second half. Uh, just unbelievable. I don't think that had anything to do with Ben Roethlisberger, who I think is totally washed. Um, and that Steelers team did not play well. I think it was a situation where the Titans thought they were up 13 to three, and that was going to be enough. They didn't play well at all offensively. Um, other scores, a couple other surprises. Big shout out to the Detroit Lions. Look, people have made a lot of jokes about the Lions. You know, they're going to go in 16. Oh my God, they're terrible. And I've said to some people, I've said it on the Jones Report, I've said it here a couple times. I like Dan Campbell, and you can see what he's trying to do. Now, I think he's hamstring, and he's got Jared Goff. Jared Goff played great today. But um, the Lions came out and just put a whooping, for lack of a better term, on the Cardinals. Uh, first place, number one seed Cardinals are now uh, a little further back, and now the Cardinals are actually the four seed after losing 30-12 to to the Lions. Uh, when the Dolphins beat the Jets, the Texans and the Jaguars in the Who's the Biggest Loser Bowl, uh, Texans win that game 30-16. to Urban Meyer, our first game for the Jags without Urban Meyer. Nice to see they scored some points and were a little better. 49ers beat the Falcons 31-13. Packers-Ravens 31-30 in a game that really... The Ravens played so much better than I thought they would without Lamar Jackson. Brett Hundley played really well. Or Todd Hundley, I'm sorry, quarterback, played very, very well. Um, I, I like what John Harbaugh did at the end of the game. He had an opportunity to go for two, win the game. He doesn't want to get into the play to the overtime and take a chance. And I thought the play call was atrocious, though. Um, I, I'm done with coaches trying to do this, the rollout and throw to, into to the corner of the end zone, whether it's the front corner, like the Ravens did, or the back corner, like the Chargers did on Thursday night. It's not a good play call. I, I, it's not a good play call. The quarterback rollout, hoping you can move everybody to the right, usually to the right because the quarterbacks are right-handed and try to find the open guy or to try to get one guy open with a pick or something. It's a play call that's way overplayed, way overcalled, way overused. It's really something that was be used because of one thing and one thing only. That goes back to the 80s, Joe Montana, 81, uh, with the with the, the catch, which was kind of a throwaway. I mean, he throws it in the one place, only his guy can get it. Dwight Clark, like Superman, and kicks makes the catch. Uh, if you've never seen it, if you're younger, you've never seen it, just Google The Catch and you'll find it. Um, but other than that, I mean, because of that one play in history, we now got to see every damn team try to do a, right, a right-handed rollout to the flat for the quarterback, a sprint out, and then throw it to an underneath guy, whether it's a running back or a tight end or maybe a receiver coming from all the way over to the, from the left. It doesn't work. You're allowing the defense to only have to – to cover and to defend one-third of the field because you can't throw it back to the left. If you're going to throw it back to the left, you're going to use a gimmick style out of that, maybe something that you'd see from the Chiefs 
where maybe Mahomes goes back on purpose and runs 15 yards back and then throws it back to the corner with someone who had a backside pick. But you got to have an arm, a quarterback with a really great arm and the patience and ability to get back and do that. Nobody does outside of a, like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or someone along those lines. So I thought that the Ravens, it was ballsy a call to go for it, to try to win the game, which I agreed with, but I don't like the play call. The other question I have about that is, why can't teams just run the football? You got two yards. If you can't run for two yards, you probably just shouldn't win the game. So I I really don't like a lot what a lot of teams do. That play calling on some of these plays at the goal line are just atrocious. Um, I think it cost the char. I think it was one of the things that cost the Chargers the game Thursday. I think it cost the Ravens an opportunity. And just those things, just it's aggravating. Couple other things. Bengals beat the Broncos fifteen to ten. I, uh, if you're a frequent listener, you know that Joe Burrow's my guy, um, and he did not play well. He did not play well. Fifteen to twenty-two, one touchdown, no interceptions, one hundred fifty-seven yards. Uh, the one touchdown was a long one uh, to Boyd. Um, I'm done with the Bengals' offensive play calling. Um, I get, uh, I've been getting a lot of stuff about, we'll talk about the Cowboys next, but I keep saying that the Cowboys have got to run the ball more than they pass the ball. The Bengals are the direct opposite. It's okay to throw the ball if you've got a quarterback and you've got receivers. The Bengals have got receivers all over the place. And their offensive line is not good. The Cowboys have a really good offensive line and a great running back. The Bengals have a really good running back. And they have a horrible offensive line. So I understand they're trying to run the ball so that Burrow won't get sacked. He does, I think he's near the bottom in sacks. I mean, it's just ridiculous how much he does get sacked. But run some screen passes. Get some pick plays. Get some things done in the flat. Run some pass plays that will get you some quick passes and some quick completions. He is still a young quarterback. And... I just think it's ridiculous play calling. Uh, somehow they Forrest Gump their way into not losing the game. Uh, there's somehow 15 points wins the game for the Bengals. The Broncos tried late, just couldn't get it done. The last game I want to talk about is the Cowboys. The Cowboys went beat the Giants, go to, go to New York, beat the Giants 21-6. In a game they should win, they're going to win. They can pretty much roll their helmets out there and beat the Giants. They're a better team. We're going to talk a little bit about all the teams in the AFC and the NFC, at least the, the playoff leaders now. The Cowboys are now the two seed after the Bucks lose, the Packers win, and the Cardinals loss. And I think they may maintain that. They've got a tough game in two weeks against the Cardinals. I don't think it'll be for seeding, the two, three, four seeding. But um, the Cowboys, I'm looking here, they threw the ball 37 times, ran it 30. Okay, you are going to win the game. Now, in this game, let me pull it up here. 6-3 after one, 15-3 at half, 21-6 at the third. No score in the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott does not have to drop back 37 times against the Giants. Run the ball 37 times. Throw it 25 times. Run it 45 times. You're going to beat the Giants. If you're running the football with that offensive line, 
They've got a two-headed monster. I, you know, I like Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's a great player. And then you've got uh, the other running back who escapes my mind right now, um, who's back there, who can gives him a great change of pace on third down. They use him a lot, use him in the pass game a little bit. But they don't have to line up at no point in a game would I have Dak Prescott open, line up with nobody in the backfield. I mean, it's just an utter ridiculous thought that you're going to go four or five wide and not have a running back, a threat of a run with Dak Prescott back there. I think he's better when he can have the threat to run the football. I think he also has, I think there's some things you can do there. And I just, the Dallas Cowboys will win every game that they run the football more than they pass it. If they do that, Every game from here to the end of the year, they will not lose in the game. I've said it. Cowboys next three. They have the Washington football team, the Cardinals, the Eagles. They will not lose those three games if they run the ball in each game more than they throw it. And in the playoffs, they'll beat every team in the NFC if they run the ball more than they throw it. I'll say this. The Dallas Cowboys will beat the Kansas City Chiefs or any team in the AFC if they run the ball more times than they throw the ball. It works. Don't believe me? Just watch. So a couple of little rants there for you on the Cowboys. The Bengals. I'm talking about the Bengals. We'll go back to that in just a second here. The Bengals are the direct opposite of the Cowboys. Now, again, they forced Gump their way into first place. They are in the playoffs. As of right now, the, the Bengals are now the four seed in the playoffs. Uh, this is purely because um, we haven't had a Browns game yet. We haven't seen what they were going to do. Um, at the same time, we've got um, the Ravens lost. So now the Bengals are the leader in the AFC, uh, in the AFC in their, in their division in the North. Uh, they still have a game this week with the Ravens, which is going to be a huge game. Bengals-Ravens coming up this weekend, this Sunday. It's going to be the biggest game of the weekend. The winner of that game, in my view, is going to win the division. So, But I think the Ravens have got to do the exact opposite of the Cowboys. I'm sorry, the, the Bengals need to do the direct opposite of the Cowboys. I think the Bengals need to go in and they need to throw the ball, throw the ball a lot, Throw the ball where they are not necessarily all the downfield stuff. They're trying too hard to get the Joe Burrow down the field 50-yard plays. They get like one a week. I mean, they had one this week with Tyler Boyd for 50-plus. Chase has caught a couple this year. But under no circumstance should T. Higgins have two receptions. Should Chase have one reception. Um, It's pretty pathetic. The, the Bengals just don't deserve Joe Burrow. They really don't deserve a lot of those players, not just him, but Higgins and Chase and Boyd. They got weapons, and that staff, that offensive staff, has no fucking clue what they're doing. So, I mean, just – I know that Zach Taylor is the coach, and he's there because he was on Sean McVay's staff a couple of years ago, and that's what he got him his job. But because someone rubbed up against Sean McVay does not make them an offensive genius. Clearly, look at the Bengals right now. We're going to have a little bit of fun here. Um, I'm going to do one quick little thing here. 
I want to pull up the AFC and the NFC, and I'm not going to go through all that. I'll just tell you kind of where they're at right now, and then what these top four, the division leaders, have to do to make the playoffs and be successful. So I'm going to start in the NFC. The NFC right now, uh, the Packers are the one seed for their win today. They're at 11 and three. Three other division winners, division leaders, I should say, are 10 and four. That's Dallas, Tampa, Arizona. Now, I want to read this off. I think that the the, the Packers are going to win the NFC, or at least would be number one seed in the NFC. Their last three games, they have the Browns coming up, uh, the Vikings, the Lions. That's three W's to me. The Browns also are going to come off a short week with a Tuesday game, and they have to come back and play on Christmas Day. The Cowboys saw the Packers, you take care of business, you win your three games, you're the number one seed, no one can catch you. The Cowboys, they have the Washington football team, the Cardinals, the Eagles. Now, the, the, the trip to me, the tripwire here is the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals are going to need every game because the Rams are just a couple of games, or just one back. And you just don't know what's going to happen there. So um, I I think that they're going to have to be ready for that. And actually, the Rams are now caught up. We got the one, they still play on Tuesday as well. Uh, with a win, the Rams will be even with the Cardinals. The Cardinals will have a tiebreaker as of now. Um, with the Cowboys, again, you win out. If someone can snipe the Packers, you can get the one seed. If not, at least you're sitting in the two seed. You don't get the bye, but you get home games until you play the one seed. The Bucks, the loss to the Saints hurt the Bucks the most. That was a team that the, the next two, the Bucks and the Cardinals, lost a lot this weekend. Now, the Bucs are going to get right. Don't worry. They had a lot of injuries in this game. Um, Fournette got hurt. Evans is hurt. Um, I, the third one, Godwin was hurt. That was the ugly one with Godwin. Um, so I, I see what happened there. That's a lot of what happened, and some issues there. But the Bucs are going to get right because, listen to this, they got the Panthers, who didn't have a kicker today, the Jets, and the Panthers again. So that's going to be three dubs for the uh, the Bucks. They win, again, someone snipes the Packers for them. They've got a chance. Uh, the Cowboys, that's why that game for the, Cow- the Cowboys playing the Cardinals is just a big game, is that they don't want to be in a three-way tie or a two-way tie. They want to be smooth there and keep that moving. The Cardinals are the team that lost the most this past week. The Cardinals losing to the Lions, which... I'm happy as hell for Dan Campbell, but it's a really bad loss for the for the Cardinals. Now you went from being what could be two full games ahead of the Rams to where now, pending the Rams game on Monday, you might be tied and you split with them. So now we'll be in some kind of a tiebreaker situation if the Rams were to win this week. And we have a couple games still left on the docket. They're the ones who seem to have lost the most here. I have not been as high on the Cardinals. If you listen to the you know the pod, you'll know that it's it's they're a team I put higher up on the I only put I only put higher up, and I've said this in my power ratings because they were the team with the best record. But I've had the Patriots ahead of them. I've had the Chiefs ahead of them. I've had uh, a lot of teams ahead of them through this time. Uh, I had the Bills ahead of them a few weeks ago. I've had the Packers ahead of them. 
just because I wasn't convinced that the Cardinals were going to be good all the way down. And now the, the Rams are damn good. The Rams might catch them. I think the Rams are going to catch them. Uh, Cardinals last three. The Colts, who have been coming on, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. So for the Rams, they've really got to get some. They're going to try to catch up now. Uh, Rams play the Seahawks. That's actually going to be on Tuesday. Um, if they can pull that one off, then the Rams will end Vikings, Ravens, 49ers. Again, you have two teams there. It's going to come down to can the Cardinals beat the Cowboys in two weeks? That's a huge game because if you're how to stay a step ahead of the Rams, the Rams are getting decimated on COVID, but getting that game pushed all the way to Tuesday helps them. And that can't make the Cardinals happy, by the way. So you have those, those are the four in the AFC, kind of the four leaders. And if you look, I mean, there's teams nipping on their heels. The Rams are nipping on the heels here. Um, unbelievably, I could not believe this. The 49ers are the sixth seed, so you have two of the West teams coming. And then the New Orleans Saints are now the seventh seed, uh, pending Washington's game. Washington still has a game to play uh, this week, so depending on what happens there. Uh, but unbelievable that the New Orleans Saints might have played their way back, back into a possible playoff. Uh, Washington plays Tuesday against the Eagles in a game that got moved because of COVID stuff. So uh, we still have four games left this weekend. Uh, the Raiders play the, the Browns on Monday. Um, the regular Monday night game was Minnesota-Chicago. Then we have two games Tuesday, uh, Seattle-LA, there's the Rams, uh, Washington, and Philly. So we got a little bit of playoff implications in every game moving forward in the NFC. Um, the AFC, I find this to be interesting too. The Ravens' loss to the Steelers and the Bengals' win unimpressively against the, against the Broncos has now flipped the AFC North. So now... The North is the Bengals and the Ravens tied at eight and six. The Browns still have a game to play. They're seven and six. The Steelers at seven, six, and one. So um, the, the Browns could win and make it a three game, a three-team race there. As of right now, the Bengals have a tiebreaker because they've beaten the Ravens, though they play the Ravens again this coming week. Again, probably the biggest game of the division uh, coming up. And that's going to be this coming weekend. Uh, the Browns still have a game. Uh, they have the Raiders game, which has been pushed to Monday. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on, possibly. Uh, so, again, Browns, Ra Browns beat the Raiders if they do. And by the time you hear this, it may, game may have been played. Uh, we'll see what happens there. That would make a three-game tie in the, in, the, in, the, in the AFC North. Uh, but I want to talk about the top four. So I'm going to work my way up from the four. Four right now is the Bengals. Again, we've talked about that. What are they going to have to do? They're going to have to score some more points. They're going to have to protect Joe Burrow and let him score some points. Um, these last couple of weeks, their offensive outputs have been pretty bad. Um, 15 against the Broncos. The loss against the 49ers two weeks ago, they scored 23. 22 and a loss to the Chargers. They did blow up two weeks before that. They've had 41 and 32 and wins against the Steelers and the Raiders. But then you go before that, a loss to the Browns at 16, loss to the Jets. That was a huge loss for the Bengals. And the Bengals don't have it easy. 
Again, their last three, the Ravens, that game's a home game. Then they play the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a home game for the Bengals. They end at Cleveland. So right now, the era, the margin of error for the Bengals is very slim. It's pretty much none. They're going to have to win out. They've got to beat the Ravens. They're going to have to beat the Chiefs. I mean, it's if they beat the Ravens and the Browns and the Browns lose on Monday, then there's some wiggle room there. But if it's a three-way tie and the Bengals lose to the Ravens, they're effectively out at that point. I would think that they couldn't beat the Chiefs to that. The Titans are sitting there at three. The Titans' loss today was huge. They had a chance to... Uh, they would have been the one seed had they won on Sunday and uh, because they would have had a tiebreaker with the Chiefs. Uh, the Titans now have to get some help. They finished the 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. So I like their schedule. I'm not a fan of the 49ers. Don't think they're very, I don't think they're as good as their record indicates. They're a playoff team in the NFC because the bottom of the NFC is really bad. Um, the Dolphins, again, I, they're playing better now and in the last month than they, had if, than they did in the first half of the season. And the Texans are just trash. So the Titans, if they can get right over the next two weeks, they can hold on to the division lead. They're going to have to run that table, though, because they're, they're only a game ahead of the Colts, and the Colts can snipe and get them. That brings us to the Patriots. we got two big games next week. We've already talked about like, the Ravens and the Bengals are going to be big in that division. The Patriots got the Bills next week. Now, the Patriots, by the loss to the Colts, have brought the Bills back into this. So right now, the Patriots are sitting at 9-5. and five. Buffalo's at 8-6. and six. They played one time earlier in the year. That was two weeks ago. The Patriots beat the Bills in Buffalo. Now, they'll play again. Patriots play the Bills again this coming week. That game is in New England. After that, the Patriots play the Jaguars and the Dolphins. It's going to come down to the Patriots-Bills next week. If the Patriots beat the Bills, the division's theirs. They'll be up again. They'll be up two with the tiebreaker. You're not coming, you're not going down from that. Um, the Patriots are going to have to win all three and get some help to become the number one seed that they want to buy. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think they'll... I the Patriots may beat the Bills. I'm not sure about that. I'm not predicting that yet. I think they can. But then I think they'll win against the Jaguars and the Dolphins. That lets us the, the new number one seed. The team is the hottest in the league. They won seven in a row. The Chiefs. The Chiefs end with the Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. That's probably three wins. Went out, you're the number one seed. You get the bye. We all know Andy Reid has never lost after the bye. That's a huge deal. Um it also allows for some teams to beat one another. Uh, the biggest game for the Chiefs in there is going to be going to Cincinnati. Who would have thought earlier in the season that a Week 17 Chiefs-Bengals game would have meant anything, but it actually does. Um, that's the game that I could see the Chiefs losing if they were to lose. Maybe if it was a shootout, if for some reason Burrow went off and he actually was allowed to play that way. Uh, some kind of a shootout, high-scoring game. Um, then you could see something like that, and that would give the door open for the Patriots. I don't think that's likely. I think that the Patriots losing to the Colts was too much. That's going to be enough of a door open for the Chiefs. 
And the Chiefs basically, I mean, they fought hard. They won the game. They deserved that win Thursday night. They were helped out in that game. I really do believe that. I think the Chiefs are most likely the best team in the AFC right now. Um, you know, it's time. It's funny. We'll start to overreact a little bit. You know, now every week we're going to say, oh, this team sucks and this team's good. Just based on one week. People are going to say the Patriots aren't good and the Titans aren't good because they've lost this past week. But they've shown over the season they've been good. It's the same thing in the a in the NFC. The Cardinals are not a bad team. They lost to a really bad team this week. Like the Lions, that might be the worst loss anyone's had this season. But the Cardinals losing that game, the Bucks losing to the Saints, it doesn't define who they are. It doesn't mean they're any worse today than they were seven days ago. It just means they lost a game. And, it does, and, and good teams shouldn't lose those games. But what I really wanted to get at overall is find me a favorite. I think the overreaction that everyone's going to say is the Chiefs are by far the favorite in the AFC, and no one's even close to them. And the Packers are by far the number one and best seed in the only team in the NFC. And those are the two best teams. I'll bet you right now one of them doesn't make the Super Bowl. The numbers dictate that. I'm not trying to say I think either team is bad. I just think that we've got a whole bunch of teams that are just pretty good. And on any given day, a pretty good team can beat a good team. We've seen that already. So I do think if you're looking at it, the Chiefs, the Packers, they are probably, if you look at the schedules, it lines up for them to win out, to be the number one seeds, to get their buys. But anything can happen. I mean, the Bucs won Super Bowl last year as a wild card team. If you're telling me that if you looking right now, you wouldn't like the Rams? You wouldn't like the Bills? They're wild card teams. And they're really good wild card teams. So, again, I, 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 I liken this to... It's a little bit of a lottery in a way. Once you're in, I think this is the first time we've really seen it in the recent future where if you're in, anything can happen. I do think anything is going to happen in this playoffs. I do not think this is going to go chalk at all. I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the next three weeks. I'm not making any picks on who I think is going to win the playoffs yet until I see the playoff teams. You know, again, if I had to say who would I bet on right now, well, I mean, the numbers predict the Chiefs and the Packers have the best two chances. But on any given day, and I don't think that either of those two teams are just light years ahead of everybody else. I don't think we have that this year. So take it for what you want. That's where I'm at with the NFL right now. Going to change, uh, going to change up just a little bit here. I want to talk about something we talked about in the point five and kind of give some details. So we had a little fun here on uh, on the Coach Bono's podcast. If you know, uh, if you listen to the Point Five, you know that Token Girl Ellen Wingenters and my co-host there, and we challenged the guys uh, from the Jones Report, Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges. Uh, Thomas was on this past week on the Point Five. We did a little bowl game pick 'em when we picked every bowl game. All four of us did, and we then took we had to pick a national champion, which is worth two picks. Uh, worth two points, very game's a point. Uh, 
two points if you get the national champion. We each then had a three and five point pick. So right now, this is as of the end of Sunday's games. There's been nine games so far. We are dead even. We, I'm pretty embarrassed. <laughs> um, okay. Token girl. Ellen, you know I love you. I know you're going to hear this. I hope we can step your game up here because Token Girl sitting at one and eight right now. Now I mentioned we're even money, right? We're even. So Tyler and Tom have five correct picks. Coach Bo and Token Girl have five correct picks. Now Tom is the Token Girl of the Jones Report in this case, more than just being the co-host. Tom is sitting at two wins. Uh, Tom and Tyler both had Middle Tennessee. Uh, both had Louisiana. I also had Louisiana. Those are Tom's two correct picks. Tyler had Middle Tennessee, Louisiana. He had Liberty. He was the only person who picked Liberty in the group. Tyler sitting at three and six currently. This is why I'm so embarrassed. Token Girls at one and eight. Tom's at two and seven. Tyler's at three and six. I'm leading the pack at four and five. Now, we did pick with the spreads. Um, I got Louisiana. Utah State, UTEP, Northern Illinois. Hey, I want to send a shout-out on UTEP. I want to send a shout-out to my boy Brad Seib, his son, uh, Luke, all-state uh, tight end at Blue Springs South High School, has uh, going to be going to UTEP next year. Congratulations, young man. I knew this young man back when we were small. Brad and I used to work together years ago. He was my mentor in my current business. And I'm just happy as hell for the Seib squad um, shout out to Brad. Shout out to all you guys. And so proud of, little, of Luke, who is not little Luke anymore. Uh, big guy, proud of you. Very happy for you. Great. Good luck at UTEP. So happy for you guys. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. Four and five right now leads the way, which is just awful. Um, maybe we'll do a little better. But I am going to disclose a few picks just so that everybody knows. So the Jones Report, again, we're even with the Jones Report right now, but the Jones Report's looking in better spot than us because we had to pick a three and a five-point pick. Unfortunately, my three-point pick was BYU. I thought BYU was going to take it to UAB, and UAB, that game was closer than we thought. UAB, we all picked BYU, by the way. They were just really high in my confidence, so I've lost my three-point pick. My five-point pick, I went total homer. I admit I'm going total homer. And I picked LSU plus one versus K-State. Um, I have no confidence in this. I'm just taking LSU because they're LSU. And I'm just not picking against my guys. Um, even though I know it's mostly seniors playing that game, the interim coaching staff, I still think the Tigers are going to have the best players in the field. And uh, it's a tough one in our house at home. In the O'Connor family, we got some K-Staters in our house, and it's it's a tough one. So, uh, But I, I picked us the five. Now, Token Girl lost her, her five pick when she picked Appalachian State. Again, all of us picked App State. Um, Western Kentucky actually won that game. Uh, they won it going away. Uh, they were a three-point dog. We all took App State and laid the points. And that was Token Girl's five-point pick. Now, her three-point pick I love, and it's Houston. I love Houston over Auburn. I think Houston's going to win that game outright. So, 
The Jones Report guys have not lost a three or five pick yet. Both of them have OU. Both of them picked Oklahoma. Uh, let's see. Tyler picked them as a three-pointer, and Thomas picked them as his five-point game. So I guess we're rooting for Oregon over here on the uh, on the O'Connor side here, on the, on the, uh, the, the Coach Bo report. Uh, Coach Bo knows, you know, we also could use that Oklahoma game because I picked Oregon and everybody else picked Oklahoma. Um, let's see. Also, looks like Tyler picked Minnesota as his five-point pick. Um, I like that pick. I also picked Minnesota in that game. And uh, let's see. And Thomas, he went homer and went Oklahoma State for his three-point pick. Um, I like that pick, too. They were almost my five-point pick because I think Oklahoma State is going to beat they're going to beat Notre Dame outright. We also had to pick our national champs. Now, this is where I'm going to tell everybody the truth, the whole truth, and the truth, so help me God. I did see everyone's picks before I made that pick. I said I would. I did see it. Token Girl and both the guys in the Jones Report picked Alabama for the national champion. Well, I wanted to make it interesting I've picked Georgia. I'm taking Georgia, and I'll tell you why. Um, I was convinced this past week, I'll tell you what happened. The Rams on Monday night coming back after losing to the the, the Cardinals bad early in the season and then beating them really bad in here in the uh, here this past week on Monday night. That made me think you can see a swing that big in a game of top-notch players. And Bama and Georgia are the best two teams. I've thought Georgia was the best team all along. They were my preseason pick. I am going to go with them. Um, I think that Georgia can do it. I don't know how likely it is. I know they're likely to win the first game against Michigan. I think they're going to destroy Michigan. And I think that Bama's going to beat Cincinnati. I think that game's closer than everybody thinks. I think Cincinnati's going to cover 13 and a half. Um, but I think that Georgia can beat Alabama. And so in the interest of making it interesting all the way to the end, I'm taking Georgia. Um, it's also part of the reason I picked the point, the five-point pick being LSU is that that is the last non-championship game to be played. So if we're close, that five points could be what makes the difference for us to win the whole thing. So a little fun there. thought everybody would have a little bit of fun with that. Um, on the point five, we will catch up about our fantasy football league because we had so many teams that are still playing. I'm not going to get all into that right now. And uh, I do want to, let's see here, uh, we're gonna, even through the weekend on that stuff, I, I'm pretty much just ranting about football today. I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, on the point five, I know we're going to talk a little bit about more stuff going on in sports, talk a little bit about the holidays and everything going on. I want to make this one kind of a, um, I want to keep it under 45 minutes, so we're going to do that right now. What I want to do as we end it here, I'm going to call it quits here in a couple seconds, but what I first want to do is say, hey, look, uh, as I record this, it's Sunday night the 20th, you're listening to this on the 21st or after, we're in the stretch run of the holidays. Um, the holidays can be a time that is depressing for some people. Um, I will be really blunt with everybody. I personally suffer a lot of depression during this time of year. This is a really rough time of year for myself. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very blessed. I have a wonderful wife. I have a, a son that I love very much, and they're very much a part of my life, and I am so happy I have them. 
Um, I have some loved ones nearby. My younger brother moved to the city I live in this year. I'm so pleased and happy about that. But I always felt some lonesomeness around the holidays. Even when I really think I shouldn't, I do. A lot of that is I lost my parents at a younger age as an adult. And, you know, you don't have those things around. Sometimes you you think about what you don't have. Um, it's given me a lot of thought this year on really thinking about what I do have. This podcast has been part of that. And I really thank you guys for kind of allowing me to bear my soul sometimes. And I've done it a couple times here now. And I'm doing it again today. Um, but I'm doing it today because... You know, normally when we try to on the Monday pod have an interview and give you a positive message. So here's your message for this week. I guarantee you it's someone you know is having a rough time of it this week. Uh, someone's going to feel down. They're going to feel depressed. They're going to be sad. And even if they're with your family, they're with their family or their friends or in a social setting and we're all coming out of COVID stuff and there's some dangers we might be going back. All that aside, because we have some things doesn't mean we always have peace of mind. So this holidays, if you see someone you love that looks like they're struggling, if they're just being super quiet, don't ask them what's wrong. Don't, you know, ask them if they need anything. Just put your arm around them. Tell them you love them. That goes a long way. Tell somebody that you love that you love them. Tell everybody that you love that you love them this holiday season. And those are the kind of things that will help those people who are going through the holiday sadness and malaise. Just knowing that someone loves you, that someone cares. It goes a long way. And I hope that People are listening. I hope you hear this. I hope it helps somebody. If you are a friend of mine, if you're a family member of mine, and I don't get a chance to talk to you, I love you. I'm one of those people who's not afraid to wear my emotions on my sleeve and not afraid to tell a friend or a loved one that I love them. And, um, you know, sometimes that's reciprocal, sometimes it's not. But I wanted to make a point of just tell, of telling everybody who's listening, if you know somebody or you think someone's going through it, put your arm around them, give them a hug, and tell them you love them. Thank you for joining us today on the Coach Bono's podcast. Uh, thanks to Tyler Jones for all you do at Studio Soapbox behind the scenes. I really appreciate everything you do. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener, uh, if you have a chance. Uh, it'd be a huge Christmas present to me. Token Girl, to Tyler, to everybody at Studio Soapbox, rate us and review us and give us five stars. Take a minute and do it. Uh, do something nice for somebody. If you could do it for us, that's great. If not, do it for somebody else. Do something nice for somebody else. Um, until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. We'll be, we will have a new .5 pod that will come out on Christmas Eve. So we are still going to try to keep that going. And we are, oh, last minute, we are going to have the Ask Coach Bo Anything uh, episode next week. Token Girl will be asking the questions. We're going to do an Ask Coach Bo Anything on uh, the pod of the .5 next week. So 
if you've got something, you can email us. You can uh, face, go to Facebook and ask it. Uh, you can go to Twitter, Instagram, however you want to. If you ask Coach Bo any question you want to ask me, I will answer it unless it's just something that I can't talk about. Uh, so again, until next week, thank you very much. Have a happy holidays. Be safe if you're traveling. Wear your mask. Please don't spread this shit. And take good care of yourself and your loved ones. Take care, everybody.